0: About ten years ago, my family uh, had a move from Detroit to Pittsburgh, which we thought was going to be a great move for our family. Uh, I thought about, it as Ashley was talking about isolation, uh, and the reason this is that it didn 't turn out to be the kind of movie that, the, the kind of move, move that we were looking for in our, in our lives, and we were moving for a job and Some of you might know you know not always when you go for a job, does it work out exactly as you hoped, and within a few days of being there after this big move of our family we realized this wasn't the right the, the best move for us and so within a few months few months of that time we repacked the truck up again got the uh, the other house rented back out again and, and headed back to where we'd come from and it was it was a painful experience and it was it was a tough move two moves in 5 months and it both moves were tough but they resulted in the kind of storm in our lives and somewhat kind of isolation in our lives that allowed for God to speak to us in a way that we perhaps wouldn't have experienced if we'd just been plain sailing through uh, through the rest of the, through, through a normal time. And as Ashley said, last week we started talking about Jonah, a really interesting uh, prophet in the Old Testament of the Bible who whose short story, and it would literally only take you a few minutes to read that today. I want to challenge you to read it today if you haven't done so uh, whose short story has big implications for our lives if we're to take on board what Jonah learned during the time that we read about his life uh Jonah's been in a storm he's he's been on a boat in a storm sailors have, have have turned to God um uh Jonah's floating around in the ocean, and all of a sudden Jonah gets uh, eaten by his ride, which is a big fish. And I've said this before, but I'll say it today. This this whole account really of Jonah isn't really about the whale or the big fish that you, uh, that you, you hear about Jonah and the whale when you're talking to kids about it. It's really about the mercy that God has uh, for people who are, are considering repenting and turning away from their sin. Uh, And it's very easy to think, is this story with Jonah, the big fish, is that really legit? Did that really happen? Did Jonah really get swallowed by a big fish or a whale? Uh, Because if anything, today's chapter that we're reading is the part where Jonah is inside the big fish. What's interesting is that seven or 800 years later, Jesus speaks about Jonah as if he is a historical character uh, and speaks about the 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 being eaten by a fish, as being a historical fact. In fact, in Matthew 12, uh, he talks, Jesus talks about his own future, and he references Jonah and sort of this overarching story that God's, God's writing that includes Jonah and includes Jesus. And I want to tell you more about that as the week, weeks unfold. But in Matthew 12, Jesus said, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Somehow when uh, Jonah is in this huge fish though, he realized that something significant was going on and he realized he needed to pray. He realized that he needed to use that time specifically to call on God. And so I want to read these verses from from Jonah chapter 2. It says, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled around me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, and the deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. Imagine how gross that's getting where, where Jonah's describing this situation where, where he's inside the, the belly of a fish and seaweed is wrapping around him. I want to go all the way down to verse 9 now that where it says, at the end of that chapter, it says, But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. So what I read here, and this story again is the story that's reflected hundreds of years later by Jesus when he's talking about what he's going to do. What I hear is a miracle that God's doing. Jo- Jonah's miraculously been swallowed by a, a large fish that is essentially going to be Jonah's Uber driver to get Jonah where God wants him to go next. And Jonah's finally starting to wake up to the fact that God's in control. And even in the midst of a, of a, of a dark isolated situation like this, following the storm that he's already been through, Jonah recognizes that God might be speaking. Sometimes God uses storms. Sometimes God uses isolation, and sometimes God uses storms to get our attention. I mean, has God got your attention during this coronavirus pandemic? You know, during a time when you've been at home and you've been frustrated and you've been isolated and you've been bored and you've been sometimes seeing the worst of yourself come out, I know at times like that I can recognize that God is getting my attention, that I am realizing I've got an opportunity to turn to God in times like that and realize uh, I'm, I'm not who I should be right now because it, we're in the midst of this situation. I'm not the best version of myself. During the, some of the, the, the racial tension that's just been building in, uh, in our country over these last few weeks, uh, it's easy to recognize things about ourselves in this storm that we're all in, that we recognize things about ourselves that we didn't know before. Maybe that you're a racist in certain areas and that you've got expressions of racism taking place in your life that you didn't even know there, they were there because maybe God's using this great storm to get our attention. And by the way, there's a, there's a group that's just started at Anthem that uh, if you haven't heard about that and you want to jump into that, I would encourage those of you who want to jump into that Be the Bridge group uh, to seek that out because that's another opportunity for us to, uh, just to just to dig in a little bit more to what it might be that God's saying, God's doing in our lives. Um, imagine, imagine the situation that Jonah's in. I'm stuck in the belly of a huge fish. It is dark. It stinks. There's seaweed on my head. I'm covered. There's acid and all kinds of stomach stuff going on. It's it's awful. I, I I need to get out of here, but I can't get out of here. So I might as well just use this time to pray, and just use this time to cry out to God in the midst of this enormous storm that I'm facing, because God's using isolation to draw Jonah towards Himself. Now, if you haven't prayed painful prayers in your life, at some point you will. I, I know that there's been times when I've been on my knees crying out to God and praying painful prayers. And sometimes those, those painful prayers, aren't just a, they're, not, they're not just a drop in the bucket. Sometimes they can go on and go on. And we find ourselves for weeks or months or even years crying out painful prayers to God. And, and, and here's the thing that I think God is doing during those times, and I sort of want to illustrate it like this. Have you ever ever broken an arm or a leg or something like that and been taken to the hospital and got a, um, a cast put around it? Uh, me and my son did that with Micah. He was uh, probably fourth grade or something, swinging on the monkey bars, thought he'd like miss two bars and go to the fourth one. Uh, which you're not supposed to do, that's the whole point of having multiple bars, ended up falling down, tumbled down and broke his wrist. So we went into the hospital and we got a, a cast from, uh, and he ended up leaving the hospital that day with a cast from like fingers to elbow, basically to restrict um, to, to restrict mobility and allow for healing uh, for the next six weeks. He hated every minute of it, just like you do when any of us ends up in a cast for, for a, a, a bone breaking incident. Well, Here's Jonah in the belly of the whale. Mobility's been restricted, and it allows for God to do his healing work in Jonah's life. And sometimes God restricts our mobility. Sometimes God wants to restrict us, put a cast around us, if you will, so that he can do his healing work in us while we're still. He can use that isolation to do a healing work in our lives. And that's what Jonah's time in the fish was doing. Restricted Jonah's life right there and allowed him To be healed of his previous season of just over and over again walking away from God. And now, finally, we we see Jonah in that situation. And for the first time in this book, he's now talking to God. The first chapter of Jonah was about God speaking to Jonah. This chapter of Jonah is about Jonah speaking to God. And Jonah's finally crying out to God. There's a few things that I want to notice about Jonah's prayer just for a couple of minutes this morning. Firstly, that, that this was a prayer of precision. Jonah was crying out a specific prayer to God, and he goes to great lengths to describe the details of how he got there, what's taking place, and to be precise about his prayers. In verse, in verse uh, 3, it says, You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled around me, and your waves and breakers swept over me. It's like he's describing later, because obviously Jonah wrote this later after he was not in the, the belly of the fish anymore. But he's describing later the details of what was taking place and how he was uh, crying out specifically to God uh, for restoration. You ever been ever been general with your prayers and specific with your worries when really it should be the opposite way around? You know, we should, be, we should be general with our worries, but specific with our prayers, right? Specifically asking God uh, for freedom from specific things. God can handle specific prayers. But very often, we, we live in that world, don't we, where people say, oh, yeah, I'll pray for you, and, um, or, or will you pray for me? And we're, it's very easy for us just to say, yeah, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you. And I, I really hope that when we, when we say that, I hope that we really are actually praying for people. and not just using it as a little phrase like, oh, God, be, God bless you or something like that. But I'll pray for you. But, we, but we're saying, I will be praying for you specifically for the need that you're in right now. Um, uh, I, it, it's very easy to, to pray generic prayers and just pray for God's blessing on someone's life. But it's a different thing to pray specifically. Somebody, somebody uh, messaged me this week and they said, can we chat for a little while? I need to pray about something. And so we got on a quick Zoom call and we just spent five minutes praying together for a specific need that this person was facing, two or three specific needs. It was incredible to get a text the following day and, and just hear that God had met that need in a very unique way. We want to sometimes pray general prayers, but let's pray prayers of precision and prayers specifically asking God. Um, uh, Mikey and I have a friend. Uh, his name's Chris, and he lives in Birmingham, Michigan. And uh, uh, Chris is a good friend of ours. And I was I was ch- I was chatting with Chris outside of Starbucks one day, and uh, talking to him about something that uh, I needed at the time that I was praying about. And there was all kinds of people walking by. It was a busy street. And 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 Chris Chris said, "Oh, I'll pray for you." And it just felt like one of those generic prayer moments. Have you ever been in those? And all of a sudden, I just kind of looked away for a second to look back. And then I, I'm looking at this guy with his hand on my shoulder, with his eyes closed in the middle, the middle of the street. And he's he's praying, crying out to God on behalf of my need. And I suddenly realized... I am way less spiritual than most of the people I know because I'm the guy that's like, oh, yeah, I'll pray for you. And I'm thinking, I'll pray for you like next Tuesday when I think about it. But he was right there willing to pray with me in the middle of the street. And I recognize the value in that. You see, Jonah's, Jonah's being specific in his prayer. He's quoting scriptures. You know, some of those verses that I read are actually Jonah reciting scriptures that he knew from the book of Psalms, reiterated in the book of Jonah. Jonah's Jonas putting into, into, into words his need. He's putting into words and into action verses from the Bible that have stood out to him in the past. It's inc- I don't have time to go into it, but it's incredible to see that what Jonah's doing, he was quoting Scripture. He was standing on God's premises. It was a prayer of pre- precision, and it was also a prayer of passion as well. In verse 2, he says, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. Some people even believe that Jonah actually died during that time, when he says deep in the realm of the dead, that he actually died for three days and three nights. Um, But whatever was the truth about that, he was praying with passion, with emotion. He's talking about distress. He's talking about being in the realm of the dead, crying out to God. And our prayers and our worship should involve everything about who we are. Should involve passion. And that passion will lead us to a determination to see our prayers answered. Don't you want that? You want that in your life where where you can you can be honest and precise and passionate with your God and cry out to God and saying, God, I, I desperately need to see you come through in this situation. Because sometimes in our polite middle-class New England culture, We were socially distanced before they had social distancing. You know, we're very, um, you know, stoic, and it's very easy for us to just keep God at a distance. But let's come near to God with our prayers. Come near to God with with passionate, precise prayers and worship. And I think the other thing to notice in this, this passage of Scripture is the posture of Jonah in his prayer as well. You know, in, in verse verse six, he says, To the mount, to the roots of the mountains I sank down. This is Jonah saying, I'm at rock bottom. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, my God, brought my life up from the pit. Jonah's praying right here. His posture is to pray as if God had already answered. Isn't that incredible? But you, my God, brought my life up out of the pit. It's this situation where Jonah's in the absolute midst of darkness, but he's able to proclaim and declare that God is his deliverer. It's a prayer of faith. He believes so much that God is going to deliver him that he almost, it's as if he, pray, he prays it like it's already happened. It's not a prayer for deliverance, it's a prayer of deliverance. It's not, God, will you deliver me sometime between now and next Thursday or next month or next year? It's God's delivering me right now. It's salvation is coming from the Lord. He even says that salvation comes from the Lord. It's like it's in a, the, the, the present continuous tense. Are we able to go to that place where we, where we can say, all I want in this situation is the Lord. All I want is God. I'm, I always think of my mom when I think of this because before she died, I got this clear impression from her. Every time I met her, every time I went to see her, that all she wanted was Jesus, all she wanted was God, and she was crying out for her, for her, actually for her heavenly home, her next step in her life as she was, you know, torn apart with some uh, various ailments which were going to take her life. She was thinking only of her relationship with God, only of heaven. And I just think of one time when uh, the community nurse came to see her from the hospital to see how she was doing. And, and my, my dad, uh, his name was Dennis, he'd already gone and died, like, you know, five years before that. Um, So my mom's on her own, and this community nurse knew that my mum was a Christian, but she wasn't a Christian. And uh, my mum would say, "Oh, it's not going to be long now. I've not got time on this earth because I got to go to my my next location. You know, I'm going to get I'm going to get taken to the next place." And the nurse would say, "Oh, do you want to be do you want to be with Dennis?" And she'd say, "No, I want to be with Jesus Uh, because her her only context for eternity wasn't just being reunited with my dad, though I think she did want that, but was that." being united with Christ, because she got to that place where her passion, where her posture in life was, my desire is to be with my God. You see, in this, uh, in the end part of that verse, we don't find Jonah moaning or complaining or griping or getting upset or angry. Or angry. He acknowledges the pain. He knows the situation he's in. It's not like he, he sugarcoats it or anything, but his posture is gratefulness. It's thankfulness. It's praise. In the midst of the darkest situation, Jonah's saying, it's well with my soul. In the midst of restriction, he's returning to who God called him to be. And then at some point in verse 9, as that conversation continues with God, he says, but I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice for you, to you. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. So I want to ask you this morning, are you ready to say, I, are you ready to say I will say, I will sacrifice to you. I will worship you. I know maybe for some of you you grew up in a Christian home or you've had other influences and you're sort of you're hanging on because well all the while that all the while that my pastor or my group leader or my or this person that I know is 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 serving God and is strong, then I can be strong. At some point, w- will it come to the point where you're like saying, I will say salvation comes from the Lord. I will sacrifice to you. I, with shouts of grateful praise, will, will reach out to you. Whatever background I have, wherever I've come from, I, I'm getting to that place where even in the midst of darkness, I'll say, God, I will sacrifice to you. One example that's impacted me, uh, a life that somebody who lived you know, 120 years before me who's impacted my life was somebody called Horatio Spafford. And um, during the, the 1880s, this man, Horatio Spafford, was a successful lawyer, business owner, uh, and landowner in the city of Chicago. And then this thing called the Great Fire of Chicago took place, and Horatio Spafford lost everything in the Great Fire of Chicago, went from being a wealthy businessman and landowner and lawyer to having almost nothing except his family. And shortly after that, he lost his four-year-old son to a, a, a disease that he got, and kind of lost a son in that situation, which must have been tragic. A little bit later, his family, his wife and four remaining daughters were traveling to England on a ship, and a terrible crash happened. Uh, two ships collided, and uh, Horatio Spafford lost the lives of his four daughters in that uh, tragic accident. His wife got to, to England and sent a Western Union telegram back to him, just with those what's now become the two famous words, saved alone. Uh, recognizing that she'd lost her f- that their four daughters after losing a son and after losing everything. Uh, a little bit later, uh, Horatio Spafford went to follow his wife to England on another ship, and when they got to the place where the original ship, the Le Ville de Havre, had, had sunk, uh, one of the crew told Spafford that this was the place where his wife uh, had lost Uh, sorry, where they'd lost the the lives of of their four daughters. Uh, Horatio Spafford wrote a song, which is now a famous hymn, which has kind of gone around the world and still sung in churches today, It Is Well With My Soul. And he talks about the situations that that hit our lives, the storms that hit our lives where everything seems to be coming against us. And can you imagine losing your business, losing your land, losing your son and four daughters? And then thinking, you know, I've got so little left. Yet he was able to write this phrase in the chorus. and You're going to hear it in just a second. Where you're going to hear this, this, uh, these words, it is well with my soul. That, that what exists deep down inside me can actually uh, be, be flourishing in the midst of the isolation and in the midst of the storm. And maybe... This morning, God wants you to hear these words, which Becca is going to sing for us right now. It is well with my soul.
1: Grand earth has quaked before by the sound of his voice, seas that are shaken and stirred, will be calmed and broken for my regard. Far be it from me to not believe Even when my eyes can't
0: Beautiful. Thanks, Becca and Brandon and Mikey for putting that song together. It just speaks to us so much about the confidence that we can have in God uh, during times of isolation and during times when there's storms around us. God has a purpose in it. And I'm praying for you today. I'm praying that God uses whatever situation you're in to to bring about uh, more faith and more confidence and more trust in our God because of that situation. That's my prayer for you today. And if you want to reach out and you want to connect about that, I'd love to chat. If you just want to say hey on the on the Facebook, uh, Facebook live stream or something like that, we'll know you're there and we'd love to get back in touch with you. W- whatever way you want to connect with us, we'd love to pray with you and support you today. Uh, next week, I want to I want you to be with us next week because I want to continue this journey through Jonah and talk about the God who is the God of second chances. In fact, the very last verse of that, um, Jonah chapter 2, sets us up. And it says in verse 10, it says, And God commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. And next week, I want you to hear about the most amazing action of vomiting that ever takes place in the Bible and what that results in. It results... One bit of vomit resulted in the largest revival that has ever taken place in history. All right, so let's join together for next week. Thanks for being with us this morning, Anthem. God bless you. We love you. See you soon.